Hello, everybody. It is Tuesday, November 24th, 2020, and this is a Locked On Nationals podcast. I am your host, Josh Neighbors. On the show today, Sean Sears of the Locked On Cubs podcast joins us to talk about what would a Chris Bryant trade to the Nationals look like. We hit it from every angle, propose some possibilities, uh, and see really what the market is, what the appetite really could be for the Nats to make this deal. Who else is interested in a whole lot more? Hope you guys enjoy. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Locked On Nationals podcast today. Joining me from the Locked On Cubs podcast, amongst other things, it is Sean Sears. Sean, we have something to talk about, don't we? Finally, in the MLB. For once, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's really fun. I was actually talking about this on my on my. Uh, in the podcast today, but uh, on Monday, but I was, I'm a Wizards fan. I'm not sure if you're a Bulls fan, but I'm, I'm pretty big, Wizard, you know, pretty big Wizards <laughs> fan. I was joking at, you know, the Wizards free agency started on Thursday and they've signed like six players and the Nationals <laughs> signed like two and, you know, three or four weeks. And, you know, mm. I, I got the notification about, uh, you know, John Morosi's tweet that this trade was being talked about. And I was not worried because I was like, I don't have to do a podcast about this. If it was an NBA team, I'd be like, I have to do one now because, you know, the trade will be done in two hours or, you know, right. <laughs> break off. And it's really funny how this stuff just moves at a snail's pace, right? Like this trade might get tossed around for three or four weeks. You know, we, we don't know. Right. We've already seen like two iterations of it kind of where like the Cubs have like, there's been different types of offers that have come out for the most part. But um, yeah, I mean, I I think it's really going to take some time for a deal like this to come together, especially because I don't think the Cubs know what direction they want to go yet. Obviously, uh, Theo Epstein just stepped down last week. They officially signed Jed Hoyer, who's going to former general manager, now official baseball operations. Um, And that'll kind of I guess dictate more so what what direction they're going from what I understand and from what I've heard it does sound like the Cubs are getting pretty aggressive in terms of like what offers they're putting out there but in terms of what they'll agree to I would be surprised if they if they come to terms with the deal unless it's like unless Victor Robles is in this deal right now I don't see the Cubs accepting it at the moment quite yet just because I I think they're going to want to see who gets DFA'd I think they're going to want to get an idea of who's who's truly going to be selling and who's not and that that probably won't happen until the the I would assume the the winter meetings or maybe the GM meetings at the earliest Mm -hmm. so I would think it's probably still early but that being said I mean like the Cubs have are showing up in just about every rumor they're they're clearly at least open to ideas and I I I think uh in terms of what the Nationals could get for Chris Bryant or what the Nationals would give up for Chris Bryant, I, the Cubs are going to ask for a lot, but I think what they might end up being able to part ways with for a guy like Bryant right now might be a lot significant than people are thinking, even less significant than maybe last year too, just because the price yeah. was already tough last year. So I think there's a good chance he gets moved, and the Nats seem like one of those teams that have the pieces the Cubs would be interested in getting back. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You, know, you and I were talking before, and I mentioned how I went to the University of Missouri and have been around. You know, I just know a ton of Cubs fans and mm-hmm. love fan base. It's great. It's interesting, the dynamic of it, though, because it, it went from, you know, obviously pure jubilation and joy in 2016 <laughs> yeah. to, like, utter frustration, right? Like, the last three years just – it's it's not been a complete decline, but, like, it's it's been step down, step down, step down, essentially, right? Like, mm-hmm. you think about, you know, you lose – like, they find you lose the Dodgers championship series. Then I believe mm-hmm. it was the loss to – Forgetting who it was in the um, the wild the Rockies, Rockies yeah, wild the, card game, the thirteen inning funeral. Yeah, well, that, that was, was yeah. Oh, I was watching that with one of my friends, <laughs> Cubs fan. I just remember how like just miserable it was 
for, for him to watch. You know, Thirteen innings, it. two runs. Yeah, it was. I was at. I covered that game for NBC. Right. It was and it one was of those brutal. games you can feel. You can feel it kind of coming. And yeah. then they miss the next year. And this year they go and, and obviously shorten season and everything. But the Marlins come in and score <laughs> in two innings, two innings the entire eighteen yeah. that they played and, and they win. And it's been so weird to watch because it's a fan base that you know the expectation was they've got this core that they can win not just that season with but moving forward and then it, there was some frustration so it went from oh we've got Javi and Chris and Rizzo and mm-hmm. all you know, all these guys and then it went from well we're gonna have to deal one of them and it kind of the whole shift of the Javi Chris dynamic has been super interesting right because I mean, you know that better than anybody else it seemed like there were people who were on both sides of that conversation Definitely. I think it's a tough, it's a tough thing for Cubs fans to kind of realize because we went from, you know, the incredible high in 2016 to the idea that like, okay, we're, you know, we're not just going to get one championship. We're going to get a couple. This is going to be the next dynasty. And it felt like everyone in baseball had kind of just come to the consensus. It's like, yeah, this Cubs team, they're going to be really good. And we just kind of expected the ceilings to continue to grow for some of these guys. And it just didn't happen. You know, you talk about like Albert Almora, Addison Russell, obviously there's a ton of things with Addison Russell, but um, those guys just never reached those, that, that potential that we saw. And obviously like Addison Russell had 90 RBIs in 2016 in that Mm -hmm. lineup, like that, that's ridiculous. Like he's never going to do that again, even in Korean baseball, like he's not going to, he's not going to drive the 90 runs. (laughs) He's just not that guy. So like the ceiling kind of dropped on some of these guys and it's hard, I think for some, fans to kind of separate the emotions of winning that championship and expecting this team to just get better from that point mm-hmm. and accepting that it, it didn't. They, they they took a step back in 2017, despite being a, a pretty good team, a lot better in the second half. 2018, that was a nightmare the last month and that game 163. Uh, 2019 was just like, if 2018 mm-hmm. didn't do it for you, 2019 was the year <laughs> yeah. where you're like, wow, they, they need to change some things. So right. I think we would have seen more changes this last off season had Brian's grievance not taken so long. And we, we hadn't been put on pause for COVID. So I, I think changes could have been coming, but it, it's a tough thing to figure out because like realistically the way the Cubs budget is built out right now, they're going to have to move someone. I think yeah. for them to realistically be able to, to, to operate as a baseball team, they're going to probably have to move one of these guys. Um, the easiest names in my mind that probably maybe not easiest, but the most likely to be moved would probably be someone like Chris Bryant. Cause we've heard his name a million times now, or someone like Kyle Schwarber. He's not going to make a ton of money and long-term wise. He's probably not a guy the Cubs would extend, but they could possibly shed salary, maybe get another, like the name I've heard tossed around is just like the, the idea for the trade would be like someone like uh was it John Gray from the Rockies, mm-hmm. like an underperforming pitcher for an underperforming hitter. Right. Those type of deals are out there. But um, in terms of like what the Cubs are going to do, they're, they're probably going to have to move some of these guys. And that's going to it's going to suck for Cubs fans, because regardless yeah. of what, you know, happened, like Kyle Schwarber will always be a uh, like living legend for just like the five games he played in that World Series. Right. And those things are tough for fans to kind of come to grips with. But I, I think change, even though we've said it for like four seasons and off seasons in a row, I think it's happening, going to happen this off season. Well, with Brian, as it, as it pertains to Bryant, what do you think mm-hmm. the, you know, the drop, there wasn't a gigantic drop off, I guess you could say from his MVP season in terms of just like, you know, the average and how he's, how he's doing the run, the, the, the RBIs, they dropped, right. They, there was a right. drop off in that just a bit, but this season was the big drop and you think, okay, shortened season if he gets more reps that average will climb he'll end up performing better what do you but but you know it is what it is right I mean that's that's what mm-hmm. he had this season and you know that's kind of your lasting impression right what is what do you think for him went wrong this season what what changed uh, in your opinion 
I think he just never got healthy. Um, it was it was a tough season for him because he was struggling out the gate, just like a, a good amount of this Cubs team was. Outside of like the first like month of the season, I mean, obviously the Cubs started thirteen and three, went on that crazy run. The offense was hitting relatively well, um, even in spite of Bryant kind of struggling. He was in that leadoff spot. Everyone made a big deal about him being the leadoff hitter, and I actually liked the move too. But it just didn't translate, and it felt like a lot of the pressure was on him to be that first guy to take pitches, maybe not be aggressive like he typically was. And then he was dealing with a finger issue, uh, and then as well as he had, he's had a lingering shoulder issue for a little bit. But you could just see it even towards last year. Um, Chris Bryant absolutely annihilates inside high fastballs and has throughout his entire career. And going into this year, he, I think, batted like less than 100 against pitches high and tight um, up in the zone. He just missed them. And it was strange because he's obviously – he's a launch angle type of guy. So he's looking for the ball lower, but guys would try and sneak fastballs high, and he'd pull it and, and send it, you know, 450 feet mm-hmm. the other direction. So um, that didn't happen. And – to me, that tells me either like something's not right mechanically or something's not right physically. And I think it's a combination of both. I think Bryant was probably tinkering with things because he's had a couple down years and he came out after this or at the beginning of spring training, the, the rebooted spring training of this right. year and, and said that, you know, he'd, he'd heard the comments and he wanted to prove people wrong. He didn't like kind of like how people were just kind of, you know, nailing him in terms of he was not <laughs> the same guy he was in 2016, just, you know, constantly pestering with this stuff. So he wanted to come out and improve that he, he was a top talent guy. And I mean, there were signs of it. Like we saw glimmers of Chris Bryan and the power was there for moments. There was, he was still great on the base passes, even though he didn't get on base a ton when he did always taking that extra base. He's one of the fastest guys from first to third. People don't always realize that. Like he's a tall guy, but he takes massive strides. So like he was making up for it in other ways. So even though Bryant wasn't quite the impact guy he was, he was still finding ways to impact the team to some extent. But then you could just see like some of the at-bats he had. There was a couple of games where I think he had like a game of like six strikeouts between two games and just, that's right. just brutal. Like that doesn't happen to Chris yeah. Bryant. He he, since a rookie had constantly lowered his strikeout rates, increased his walk rates. And you look at this year, they're both just in the wrong direction going down. So that tells me like he was grinding. He wasn't quite himself. And you could tell, obviously he didn't, he only played a handful of games this year. He wasn't quite healthy. So I yeah, how did um, end up playing uh, out of curiosity. I want to yeah. say, I, I want to say it was something around like maybe like 20, something like that. Let me double check. But yeah. It wasn't a time. And yeah, uh, yeah, and obviously, you know, it's not a good indication of like who he is. But it's no, just, it's, you know, it's it's not but like it's it's one of those things where injury injury plus contract running out plus, you know, uh poor performance mm-hmm. culminates into one of those things where it's, you know, your value, I mean, whether it be fair or not, his value compared to offseason is is down. I, I think what's also interesting about this is you know, I'm I'm not the I'm not as in tune to analytics as other people are. Not say it's not saying I don't adopt them. You know, understand mm. try to understand them, but and, and you know, apply them. I do think one thing that people in baseball sometimes reject is stuff like just a change of scenery. And this is stuff that else we've seen happen all the time for pitchers, especially. Like, how many times do we see bullpen pitchers suck and then go somewhere else? Mm. And it's like, what is, this guy just completely <laughs> different person. Right, right, you know, right. I mean, just completely, you know, attitudes different. Guys, so happy, found a home in place X, Y, or Z. Nobody mm-hmm. saw it coming, and you know, I think that's something that's a possibility for him. And I, I think what why it makes sense is, yeah, there's a lot of pressure in DC, and DC would be trading for somebody like Chris Bryant to win. He'd be aware of that. But those expectations that we talked about in in Chicago were so high because 
he did win an MVP and they did win a World Series. And then he did not perform. He was still, I mean, his performance is still very good, but he did not perform up to what people had seen that that helped them win. Mm -hmm. And so I think, like you said, like when he's pressing like that, it's it kind of makes sense like a change of scenery for him i feel like is one of those guys who just do a world of good you know just to be able to take a breath yeah and kind of get away from i'm not saying the cubs culture was toxic but it just it felt tense and, and pressure filled and you could tell that cubs fans were miffed and, and unhappy and I, I feel like brian getting away from that is somebody that would benefit a ton yeah i mean this is a guy who was on billboards before he even made his debut in wrigleyville right. like he's yeah. been totally he, he's been the savior uh, of, of the Cubs since he was drafted in 2013. So yeah, it was, it's a ton of pressure. And then like he factor in, like he had a kid, he had his first kid this year. He was also very concerned with COVID protocols, obviously with a kid at home and his wife and the Cubs were the only team in baseball to not test positive. And that's awesome. But that also means like the Cubs were probably the most meticulous and on the ball for like taking, making sure you're not going out to grab that drink afterwards or mm-hmm. making sure you are hitting Perel, hitting the Perel machine a couple times before you step into other places, washing your hands, those type of protocols, the Cubs took very seriously. And that's, mm-hmm obviously what you want to see, but that's gotta be draining. Like it has to suck. Like when you're just going out there trying to play baseball and it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't, I, you know, I have to make sure I get my mask. I've got to do this. I'm doing that. You know, like and it, you're, just a lot of it. you're dealing with an injury as well. Exactly. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. So there's, there's a lot of just like not a lot of things going his way last year and you could just feel it felt like he was up against it. But in terms of what he is as a player, like, I don't like, I, I don't want the Cubs to trade Chris Bryant at all. Like he mm-hmm. is exactly what you would look for in a type of player that the Cubs would be looking for to, to kind of maybe take that next step with this group um, transition out of maybe the group that won the world series to another group, but a guy like Rizzo or Brian or Javi Baez, like you want those pieces. It's just right. sadly, Chris Bryant might be the guy you can maybe move, but yeah, if the nationals get him, I mean, I'll, I'll probably be a nationals fan. I love Chris <laughs> Bryant. There's nothing yeah. uh, he, he he can't say anything bad about the guy really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it makes sense, and and you know, I I would like for him to see him on the Nationals too. The only problem is, it their goal for the Nats is protection for Juan Soto, and right. I feel like the thing is you can get that without having to give up top, you know, some of your top. A hundred percent. What is it mm-hmm. that what is it the Cubs are looking for? Because if you're looking for pitching, boy, do mm-hmm. do we have? Yeah, you have some options. We definitely need pitching. The Cubs are, uh, I mean, it's probably been like the most well-known thing. They've just failed miserably at, uh, at, at trying to develop top end talent and the mm-hmm. few arms they've had, they've obviously moved. So um, they've got a couple arms, a guy named really Marquez is probably their top prospect. Um, a couple of names like Ryan Jensen, but no one that's quite ready to take that step in another year or two. And the Cubs really do, do need pitching. Like it doesn't look like they're going to resign John Lester, even though he's, they turned down his $10 million option and we're planning on trying to bring him back. But I just think with how much money it's going to maybe have to be to give him and how much money they don't have, they, they do need arms. They could use top talent. I, I think they also want though, if they're moving a guy like Chris Bryant, they're going to want multiple pieces just because he is so he's so important to what this roster is. Even in a down season, like David Ross still referred to Chris Bryant as their best hitter is their best right. player. Guys like Javi Baez and Anthony Rizzo still acknowledge that. So, like, I think the Cubs immediately would be asking for Victor Robles, and that probably gets the Nets to hang up the phone. Um, I actually, <laughs> but, I actually um, don't know. In terms that. of, I actually don't. I don't know if that's really. I mean, I there's a part of me that believes that with Robles, like they they've given him every opportunity. You know, I know it's not been a ton of time, but mm-hmm. they've given him a lot of opportunities to to become the player they hope for him to be. And not only did his offense dip this year, his defense was not good this season either. Yeah. 
And he wasn't. He did have some rough plays out in center. Yeah, and it was just not what you're you're used to seeing from him. And the defense as a whole kind of took a hit. So I don't think it's just on him. But you know, there's there's a I think there is some kind of not consensus, but there is some you know thought that look, Victor Robles. You know, if if you could get Chris Bryant, you could you could you know it, it all it would take is Victor Robles and one of their numerous arms. It's a deal you have to make, especially if you're about winning. And this is kind of the quandary for the Nats is they've got Carter mm-hmm. Keeboom, a young guy at third. They've got Victor Robles, a young guy in center. But they've also got this starting pitching rotation of three guys who are in their 30s. And, you know, Scherzer's about to come off the books. But they've got two guys also who finished top 10 in MVP voting. So you're in a weird mm-hmm. spot where your roster is not – there's not continuity in terms of, like, where everybody is positioned to go, right? Keeboom needs to – yeah, learn and get better. Robles has to learn and get better, but the the team wants to win, so I could see them sacrificing a guy like Victor Robles plus a pitcher or so if it makes sense. Because this group is committed to winning. Like that is, you know, when you fire your entire coaching staff, right? I mean, that's you're. It's pretty clear this <laughs> this this team wants to win with this group. So I I don't think Robles is off the table. I mean, maybe my personal opinion is if you look at it from that perspective. I know there are other ways to look at it, but you know, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, shoot that down as fast. I think Jackson Rutledge is the one guy that keeps coming up, and he is the Nationals' best pitcher. That's the one that I could not abide because this (laughs) Nats team has done such a bad job of developing pitching and getting them to the top level. You know, guys like Austin Voth and Eric Fetty, I mean, those guys have not panned out for them. Um, And coming from AAA and coming to the system, Jackson Rutledge is the one guy who looks like he is just like the (laughs) complete package. Right. And yeah. the other part is too, there's the other trouble is there's a bunch of Nats pitchers who are currently up in other, you know, other mm. uh, teams, Lucas Giolito, um, uh, I'm blanking on the guy's name from Oakland, uh, Jesus Lazardo, another guy who's a Nats pitcher. Yeah. Who's, who's up as well. You know, it's be, it'd be tough to stomach if you trade Jackson Rutledge <laughs> and he ends up becoming a stud somewhere else, but that's the one name I hear. I mean, excellent lefty, gigantic dude. He seems to be the mm. real deal. And, um, you know, if I'm the Cubs, that's the first guy I'm calling about. They might hang up the phone on you, but for me, that's, yeah. the, fir- that's the first name I'm mentioning, at least. Yeah, J- Jackson Rutledge is another guy, too. I I think the Cubs would be absolutely thrilled to get in a deal, especially if it was moving Brian on a one-year. Um, mm-hmm. That would be massive mm-hmm. um, to do something like that. But um, I, I think they're also just going to be realistic. I, I, I know they floated – Eps, or not Epstein G said they floated uh Bryant last year a little bit while they were trying to get the grievance get put together. And I know teams lowball them hard, but even then, like the asking price that the Cubs were going for was clearly not one they were gonna pay. So I'm uh I'm interested to see what type of deals they'll be able to make this offseason because last year when they did try and move some of these guys, like they, they weren't very attractive deals. And all that happened now is these guys played worse and they got they lost a year of control. So it, it's going to be tough for the Cubs to come to terms with it, which which makes me think Hoyer could possibly be more accepting of taking less on the return mm-hmm. to infuse something different on this roster. Because we, we've seen the same core now, if they were to come together in 2021, six seasons in a row now for the most right. part, like things need to change. Yeah. So. I uh I don't know if the asking price for Brian will be quite as high as people may think it may be, but at the same time, I don't think Jackson Rutledge is is coming in any deal with the Cubs. Unfortunately, no, I, I think you have to ask though, right? I mean, I think you have to ask. They're going to. You have to yeah. ask. Who else? You know, I, I haven't seen. I haven't been reading a ton mm-hmm. about who else the market is for Brian, but who else are you hearing? You know, maybe making calls or is is showing some some interest. 
Uh, there's teams that are definitely going to ask about Javi Baez. Um, they always ask okay. about Javi. They always want to see. If, um, he'll always be a guy that's involved in there. But Wilson Contreras is picking up a decent amount of, uh, of traction as well, too. He was a guy that could that was thought to maybe possibly be dealed last year after um, Victor Carantini, their backup catcher, had a mm-hmm. decent season. That being said, Wilson Contreras is not so crazy good for um, a guy yes. his age and what he yes, does. He so, um, yes. So like he's he's a huge piece, but what makes him really interesting is his arbitration projections are relatively lower for a guy that brings the type of potential he has, and he's under control for another season off of these guys. Whereas like it's like Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, and Schwarber all are free agents after 2021. Contreras is controlled for 2022, so he's got two more years of control after this season or after 2020, I guess, so right. a season really. But um, he's the guy that could possibly maybe get something more back because he is cheap, he plays a premium position, and he has a premium bat. I was going to say that. So like, yeah, I was going to say that because you, you have to cut you off, but look at the market right now. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the catching market is, you know, we're talking about McCann and Real Muto, and those guys are going to yeah. get paid. I mean, they're going to get paid because that's such, like you said, that position, man, it's so rare to find guys who can contribute yeah. both. Exactly. So I, I could see teams offering maybe the Cubs a deal for him. I know they don't want to necessarily trade uh, Contreras because he is cheap and he is, yeah, even if they do decide to move him away from catcher, like the bat and if the DH sticks, mm-hmm. it's something the Cubs could still project in that line for a couple of years. Right. So I, I could see them holding on to him but at the same time too, though. Like if the team like the Rays kind of came in and was just like, here's a couple of our like top like 12 pitching prospects for Contreras, it's going to be hard for the Cubs to say no because that would be a massive infusion of talent that would help them post 2021. And that's really the focus. They want to stay competitive this year, but they want to make sure that in 2022, 2023, they've got young talent coming through. Um, and they're really excited about some of the young guys they drafted. So as crazy as it might sound, they might be more willing to move a guy like Javier Wilson, knowing they've got at least young pieces that could come up in two, three years. Uh, what is the one before you get out here? What is the one move mm-hmm. that you would like you'd most like to see the Cubs make this offseason? Oh man, I want them to extend Chris Bryant so bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad now talking about this trade with you, man. Oh I, no, 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 I, no, that's fine. Personal attachment to Chris Bryant. No, I, I mean I feel oh, Chris I'd be, is I'd be heartbroken. Chris too. is my boy, but no, no, I, I love I love all these guys. It would be awesome to see them extend them, but it's just not realistic. Um, in terms of a trade, I, I would love to see a young top pitching prospect come in here, a, a top guy that's proven. They've got arms, and they've had arms in the past. Obviously, years ago, we had Kerry Wooden and Mark Fryer, and that was cool. But beyond that, like there hasn't really been anyone that developed. I guess Carlos Zambrano, kind of like Kyle Hendricks, has sort of been a Cubs prospect, but he kind of came in from the Rangers and just looked really great. Jake Arrieta was another guy that kind of found himself, but I wouldn't say developed by the Cubs. Mm -hmm. So it'd just be cool to have a young guy like that, that was a pitcher that was, you know, like a Steven Strasburg of the world that's coming in here. And it's pretty clear this guy's going to come in and dominate. So I would love to see a trade like that happen, especially if, if, if I have to lose one of these guys in the core, I I hope to get someone fun back, but that would be my only hope at this point, get a cool pitcher that I can, uh, Obsess over the stats non, uh, like for, <laughs> for forever. So, but yeah. Uh, Sean, where can people find you and your work? Definitely. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears. I'm obviously hosting the Lockdown Cubs podcast. You can follow that on Twitter at Lockdown Cubs. And then you can find my work at uh, Fan Side, but I also freelance for NBC Athletic, kind of wherever. So. Perfect, Sean. We appreciate your time today uh, joining us and talking about this potential trade that could happen in four months. Who knows? Yeah, right. Well, hopefully, I mean, you know, maybe once it's warm out, we'll have Chris Bryant on the next roster. Who knows? But. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? We appreciate your time, though. Of course, Josh. Thanks again.